I'm quite proud of my dry January results. I think it's the longest I've gone without drinking alcohol um, since I began in like high school. And how old am I now? So that was like 20 years ago, nearly. Wow. Um, I would love to see a parallel reality in which I didn't start drinking alcohol at a young age um, and what I would look like. <laughs> I mean, I'd probably look much better, but whatever. This was the road I went down. <laughs> Maybe it's not too late. I'm not in my 70s yet. Um, so today I'm going to work on shoeboxes for my sneakers and loafers and design a winter puffer coat for men and women. So I have a clothing line called Cloud Poetry and it's going to be unisex and women's wear and then home wear. So like printed silk and cotton pillowcases, duvets, possibly towels, um, maybe ceramics. I'm undecided at this point for whether I'll do dinnerware and stuff like that because I think the pairings can get really complicated. Um, and then for unisex clothing, I have sweatshirts and like, maybe the shorts are like too short for men, <laughs> but you know, it's up to the guy, <laughs> honestly. What's interesting is I've offered to make um, clothing for men in my life and they've all turned me down saying they don't wear colors or yeah they don't like patterns and I think that's a pity because menswear is so boring like it's just it's just always been well it hasn't always been conservative it's it used to be fantastic like European royals would outdress and outspend anyone with their sartorial finery. But I guess since international business standards have cropped up, everyone just looks completely the same in their tailored suits and shoes and like tailored pants, blah, blah, blah. It's just super boring and it's almost like, well, I understand the need for uniforms because it takes away any individuality um, and it allows people to, to like focus on um, the topic at hand, whatever it is, whatever it may be. Um, 
But it's too bad that in America people don't really express their individuality through clothing or like the way that they do is so um, generic at the same time. Like, well, I guess that's also an offshoot of London fashion where like everything is ribbed, everything is denim and there's patches like, and that's a holdover of 80s punk era. Um, rest in peace, Vivian Westwood. I wonder what's going to happen to her store on 55th. I always walk by, but I never go in. Um, honestly, if I can be like totally honest, I don't think there's a future for <laughs> these mid-sized brands. Um, people like Yoji and Vivian. Because with the advent of Amazon, like, you can get, you know, what used to be semi-expensive, let's say, like, a hundred dollars for a shirt, you can get on Amazon for, let's say, five dollars, and so people are trained to spend less and less on clothing, and the market is, well, yeah, the market is built for the production of cheap goods. So these labor-intensive, design-intensive brands, people who are geniuses, um, no doubt, it's going to be harder for them to find a new customer base in millennials and zoomers who aren't going to spend like you know 100 on their designer shirt or 2000 on a jacket when they could spend that at a heritage brand um like any of the brands owned by LVMH or caring so, because those have higher resale value, whereas if you buy a smaller brand and try to sell it, you're only selling it to other people who are already supporters of that brand. So anyway, I know it's a fucked system and there's no hope. And I really understand why every like independent designer I've talked to has told me to not <laughs> do it. Like their advice has literally been just don't do it. Like it's not worth it. <laughs> but you know, life only lasts so long and I've never really been satisfied with other people's clothing, like wearing what other people designed and produced and marketed to me, or not really to me, but to a version of myself that I either aspired to or resonated with at some point 
but based on like <laughs> TV and media, which are, you know, phantasms anyhow. So yeah, I feel like this is my chance to fully express um, an alternative approach to dressing and presentation in the outer world and it stems from you know, what I hope is an idealistic and loving place in my heart Good morning everyone I'm currently on my daily morning walk around my parents' neighborhood in Orange County. It's a beautiful day. Uh, some clouds, sunlight. Um, it's probably, I would guess, around 60 degrees and it's only 9 a.m. So, I woke up today feeling um, an intense bout of identity crisis. Um, I think because I, every time I come home, it brings back a lot of memories, good and bad, and it allows me to focus on things that I have maybe compartmentalized or pushed away or like not wanted to, haven't wanted to deal with. Um, which, if you're alone a lot like I am, no one's pushing you to deal with anything other than yourself, like everything is self-motivated. And while there's a lot of freedom in being like that, it's also very isolating and you can easily spiral into narcissistic navel-gazing rabbit holes. Um, So yeah, I, I guess it's always a good grounding experience to come see my parents and see how they've changed and how I've changed in relation to, in relationship to myself of the past and to my parents. Um, I think as I'm getting older, I'm mellowing out a lot more and becoming more compassionate, whereas I used to just not have any patience for anyone, um, probably from an egotistical uh, standpoint. But I think, yeah, that probably comes with like aging and seeing mortality in oneself and other people. Um, what's funny is like my 
So I have this tooth that I cracked um, last fall and the extraction was really like eye-opening and painful and it just really highlighted the passing of time and um, showed me how not even I am immortal. <laughs> um, I think when we're teenagers, we look at everyone else and judge everyone else for their weaknesses or frailty. And then all of a sudden, 20 years pass by and there we are with our aches and pains at the doctor's office with our cracked tooth um, needing surgery um, with our sagging body parts <laughs> I don't know it's I think maybe I had this underlying belief that if I I don't know, took time out from like my regular life, whatever that means, to travel extensively, that maybe time wouldn't be able to find me. Like maybe I could outrun time. But now I know that was just a childish. A childish way of escaping reality and responsibility. I mean, just because I live three months or six months out of the year in an ancient city, time is still passing by as quickly as it does in New York. Um, so yeah, I, I think this past trip has really made me come to terms with the fact that one cannot outrun time and everyone's time on Earth is limited. Um, but that is the beauty of life, right? Like, there really would be no meaning if one could have infinite time and choose from infinite possibilities. Everything you choose has a consequence to it. Um, yeah, so these are just my thoughts for the morning. Um, that noise is the sound of the grass trimmer motor. I'm finally back in Orange County with my family, whom I haven't seen for three months. Um, and it feels really great to be home again with my stuffed animals and my inflatable shell. Um, I guess there's nothing like the comforting cocoon of being with people who have known you the longest in your life. 
and being able to see how much you've changed and how they've changed as time goes by. This last trip to Europe feels like one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Um, I think because of the length and because of the difficulty of driving in the Alps and also just being alone for so long, like such extended periods with nothing familiar to grasp onto and needing to rely on my very limited French and Italian. Mm. But I did it and I somehow miraculously created a show in the process that is still on view until February 13th, I think. Um, meanwhile, I have absolutely no desire to ever paint or draw again. I actually gifted my gallerist all the paints and brushes that I'd been using, um, which was a sizable collection. But there was no way I was going to lug all of it back to New York. Anyhow, it's been raining um, excessively down here and I guess all across California, which is really good for the state's drought conditions but kind of feels like being on house arrest. I'm going to try to convince um, my parents to come with me to my friend's book signing tomorrow in LA and maybe try to see Avatar in the theater. So my gallerist just asked if he could put my name on their artist list, which is a big step. It's kind of like, you know, proposing marriage um, because from here on out, they're going to take my work around to fairs and it'll be official on the website and blah, blah, blah. And um, so I asked like, what are the benefits, right? Because entering into any kind of relationship, you want to know like what's in it for you and what's in it for them. Um, is it mutually beneficial or not? Is it just like a spiritual <laughs> relationship or do you get like, you know, at least some ads out of it? 
So now we're negotiating, like, if he's going to take out ads for my work. Because, I mean, I know everything is on social media and whatever, but I still like the old school feel of being able to open up a magazine and seeing my work and my name there printed. Like, I know it's obsolete, but I enjoy it, you know, because I never had that growing up to be able to open up the magazine and see, like, an Asian face or see an Asian name. And so for me, it's important and it felt like a huge step in my life when that first happened in like 2018. I was extremely happy with it. So yeah, let's see if I can convince him that I deserve some ads in a printed magazine. Even even saying the word magazine sounds so obsolete. It's kind of like saying the World Wide Web or let me check on the computer. It's really difficult working in the arts and like feeling like it's an actual, I don't know, calling or career because nearly everyone is like a centimillionaire or billionaire and the ones who aren't are like desperately trying to schmooze their way into becoming one. Um, so there's so much like cognitive dissonance because you have the artists who are generally like the best educated with their multiple degrees and maybe a PhD or there, here or there. Um, you have curators who also most likely have a PhD. Um, and then you have like random gallerists who might not even come from an art background and just thought it was like some glamorous thing that they wanted to be a part of. But then you learn like super quickly that they don't really know anything about what it is that you do and what your strategies and methodologies are. So then it's like, okay, I'm wasting my time by talking to you and you are getting a crash course in, I don't know, let's say abstract expressionism or arte povera um, from me. So, you know, it's a really shitty deal if you get one of these gallerists um, who really just want to waste your time and like suck all the information that you have and research that you have out from you. Um, yeah. I guess I'm old enough where I can see people's intentions and motivations better now. Whereas, like, before, maybe I was too idealistic and trusting and, like, honestly desperate to just have a show. Because even to get a show, it's like you have a 
0.000001% chance of ever getting a show. Um, and it doesn't matter where you graduate from, like, you know, yeah, it doesn't matter. So, yeah, um, for 2023, I'm not going to waste my time with people who are not masters of the subject that they're working in, and... I'm not going to give out free advice or free consultations anymore. I don't know why people, like, expect that from me. Like, I mean, what do I get out of advising someone on the architecture of their space or their program? Like, I know I have my taste. It might not be the best taste, but... At least it's my taste, whereas, like, if you're just a salesperson, you look to what other people are doing and just copy wholesale, um, and then you're just grasping at straws all the time, basically, like, plagiarizing other people. Okay, that was my little rant. Um... I'm speaking into this phone with this rant because obviously I can't, like, tell anyone I know professionally. Um, yeah. Okay, while I'm on a venting rampage, um, I would just like to bitch about the low quality of people on dating apps. It seems like everyone is like in some sort of middling, fledgling career and they all think so highly of themselves. I mean, I know that men are generally more self-obsessed, but like, <laughs> and I know it's not a matter of comparison, like everyone is a beautiful individual in their own right but like my last boyfriend that I met through Bumble um, he just had like a regular I don't know medical software job or whatever and he'd gone to Paris like once and he wouldn't stop talking about it and let's be honest like I dated him because he was really hot. <laughs> I know that sounds so shallow of me, but come on. Like, it's nice to have a really nice body in bed with you. Um, but then, you know, over time, it was clear that his personality and mine didn't match up at all and never would and never did. And I think it's easy to get blinded by lust and idealization and projection. Um, especially if, like, this happens to me a lot. If the other guy, if the guy, like, has some sort of, like, creative expression that they <laughs> want to explore, um, 
they kind of like glob on to me thinking that okay here's a professional artist and if i'm dating them that must mean that i also am an artist <laughs> which is like really insulting because in no other field is anyone like that arrogant to take on the qualities of you know their love interest like i don't date a doctor and think oh now i'm a doctor like let me perform surgery on you or give you unsolicited advice <laughs> on like your nutrition um not that like art is as difficult as becoming a doctor um i don't want to insult anyone here but being a professional artist is truly a difficult career path as history has shown and while i do believe that everyone can be creative and has that potential in them um not everyone has like you know the talent and the calling and discipline to do it every day for like 20 30 40 50 years um So yeah, uh that was my last horrible experience cuz I had to break up with him and he kept like trying to pull me back. And finally I just, you know, had to change my number and leave the country. <laughs> But um Yeah, since then, and that was a year ago. Since then I've like only done maybe a few hookups and honestly at this point i think one night stands are the best thing ever to come out of dating apps because i think you know by the end of the night together or even after 2-3 hours of chatting like whether you're compatible whether you have enough in common and enough difference for a relationship to spark and then of course you have to sleep with them to see if you have any physical chemistry because it's not the 1800s anymore and you nobody's waiting around like 6 months or a year to sleep with someone um yeah so i had like one potentially promising one night stand but then i had to leave the country for like 3 months and it just seemed like he was leading me on so now i'm back on the app and having to stare at weird faces strangers faces again <sighs> wish me luck I'm at the point in my life where I'm seriously considering getting some work done, if you know what I mean. Like at least liposure and then maybe under eye injections for my dark under eye circles. Um I mean, the initial surgery is not what scares me. What scares me is the fact that like i think something like 70% of people who get surgery come back for a second treatment and then 
then it becomes a slippery slope where you're always like looking in the mirror and becoming obsessed with every little thing that develops um and then always trying to fix it which is impossible and then somehow like 20 30 years later you end up looking like madonna or the cat lady or nicole kidman god forbid um yeah i don't know that's what scares me the most is not having the discipline to tell yourself no after you get the initial liposuction or whatever it is so this weekend i worked on my website adding items and photography and descriptions and all that um i've been playing around with the website copy quite a bit some of them are little rhymes and others are inspira inspiration i've taken from this book that i've been reading sacred and profane beauty um it's just it's practically my bible because it has everything that i am interested in um about the history of imagery and how humans have held imagery sacred and infused their own religio religiosity and spirituality into depictions of Christ or whomever they believed was holy or whomever or whatever they believed was holy. Um, which I think is very fitting for the entire philosophy behind my clothing line, Cloud Poetry. Um, I guess there, there, are, uh, there are a lot of details to hammer out. Um, but I'm slowly, slowly getting there. Working on it every day, which is, um, which is a new thing for me, like doing the same thing little by little every day. I don't know where I lost that discipline, but I think it was during my 20s when I just had access to the entirety of Europe to travel within and no schedule and no budget constraints. I think that's when I really became a terrible tyrant and only now am I getting out of it and trying to adhere to a healthier lifestyle. Um, I suppose tonight is the Super Bowl. Don't those things last, like, the entire evening? I've been to one football game in, in Buffalo, New York, and 
it was really difficult to keep track of the action and um yeah it was interesting though to experience because everyone seemed to know what was going on and what the plays were and they all had the same reactions I mean, I've always been scared of mobs and crowds because of their potential to turn violent. Um, but I guess for a game, it's not, it's somewhat removed from reality. Like, there is a secure setting and everyone is there for a reason which is not to fight and not to kill. But unfortunately, in Europe, a lot of um, more gung-ho soccer fans would disagree with that, as you, you always see cars on fire and looting and whatever else, firecrackers going off um, in, like, Paris or Belgium or Spain if like even if one side loses anyway yeah it's always seemed a tad dangerous to me these sporting events um i guess in any situation where a lot of people gather to feel these same emotions that has a potential to turn violent. Today I spent the day at home and I worked on this new collage that I'm doing in Photoshop. I added a shirt to my store. I listened to a bit of opera. And then I went down to Chinatown to get my bangs trimmed and my hair blown out. On a whim, I stopped by a grocery and bought some sorely needed things like baked tofu, oyster mushrooms, king mushrooms, gailan, Chinese herbal. for soup and I wrote down some things while taking the metro back home it's in the form of a letter to my new friend so much has happened since I last saw you. 
I went to a poetry reading and got my book signed by Kathy Park Hong. I talked to her about the language barrier and the emotional and intellectual barrier that I have from not knowing Chinese well enough to be able to hold a conversation with my parents or grandparents. So I've grown up always listening to others and feeling their emotions, but not really having anything of value to say back. I guess just being a mirror, echoing them. I transcribed one of my grandfather's poems. My intent was to add the pinging and learn it well, but I didn't because I have no discipline. I organized for my mom to cook her famous baozi for artists at a gallery in Los Angeles that I work with. Baozi are Chinese steamed buns with pork and vegetables inside. My New York gallerist, who's in LA for the art fairs, went to meet my parents for lunch. And I also saw my favorite movie, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, in the theater today for the first time. People are so creepy. Every time I leave the house, it is a full-on freak show. Like this homeless guy tonight with a German shepherd snooping around the tofu aisle and stinking up the entire place. He got chased out by one of those elderly shop owners, but I wondered how many of these people do they encounter every day and how much trouble do they start? Of course, it's not only in Chinatown where thieves and arsonists operate. They're everywhere and have always carried out aggressions throughout history. When was a better or worse time to be alive? They always say now. Now, the average Joe lives better than kings of old. And yes, I thank God every day for indoor plumbing. But I look around and everything just seems so bleak. The shithole homeless encampment that passes for a working metro system in one of the most powerful cities on earth. My own hot rage scares me with its intensity over the slightest, smallest infringements on my sanity. Am I the psychotic robot who cannot compute anything that confuses me, anything that shows vulnerability or weakness or decay or madness or desperation? Am I the self-imperialist? I went down to Chinatown tonight to get my bangs trimmed and my hair washed. I hadn't been down there since my Japanese straightening over a month ago. 
It's been difficult to accommodate my newly straight and lustrous hair. I'd been waking up and hating my hair for years, finally realizing that if I just bit the bullet and did something relatively small and easy about it, that it would change the way I felt about myself. So I did it, all the while neurotically complaining to my stylist that it felt so final, like marriage. But now I no longer wake up, look in the mirror, and spiral into a self-pitying, angst-filled inner monologue. The sons and sights of Chinatown bring me some strange pseudo-nostalgia. It's strange because I haven't actually lived long enough or, or interacted with enough people in the neighborhood for any real deep emotions to have taken root. I have more nostalgia for Sicily for whatever reason. Even though I had a friend who lives in a dim studio above a tchotchke shop, even though I had a painting exhibition at a woman-owned gallery in the neighborhood. How do we form lasting memories? Am I lacking all the emotions embedded in the struggles of people who have lived and worked there for generations? Maybe I'm trying to tap into a primitive nostalgia for the time that I lived in China before we moved to America. When everywhere was Chinatown, not just a few blocks jammed up against a fake Italian outdoor mall and a mega jail, where Chinese people, people who looked like me, had the entire range, human range of occupations and personalities and classes and looks, not just barbers or launderers or grocery store owners, but everything humanly imaginable. It's Ash Wednesday today, a big holiday for Christians and specifically Catholics today. I believe it marks the beginning of Lent and is a reminder that we come from dust and ashes, and to ashes we shall return. I've been seeing people walking around crosses with crosses and ash on their foreheads around Midtown and Chelsea. It's quite a striking effect, a removal from ordinary, bored, disgruntled, aging faces. I remember seeing a man with a cross some years ago, sitting on the steps at the Juilliard School and being afraid that he would do something crazy, something suicidal or explode or something. What would I give up for Lent? I wondered. It feels like I've already given everything up. Vanity, sanity, excessive consumption, drinking, sex with strangers off the internet, nostalgia, self-pitying, anger, delusion, the entire range of human emotional sins. Maybe I ought to give up seduction for the sake of seduction, because that creates evil too. Seducing someone for the sake of ego gratification and seeing the effects of thwarted desire. It causes resentment and bitterness and possibly violence. 
that ripples onward to the next person they date or decide to take out their rage upon. Like abused junkyard dogs who keep biting everyone who tries to pet them. But I think I've changed my personality so much to cater to what's acceptable or what's appropriate in every possible context that I don't even know what my natural personality is anymore. Because I can get deep and emotional in one second with anyone, but I'm starting to realize that it's not how everyone operates, and this unveiling can actually make people uncomfortable. It's kind of like being an emotional flasher. I guess everyone has their guards up to be able to operate in this world. It's kind of weird also that the average person I come into contact with is usually a service worker, like at the checkout stand or my doorman or the nail ladies or shop clerks. While I try to be as nice as possible and connect to them, I guess there is too vast of a gap for us to really connect. Although I did ask time and time again if the UV rays from the gel polish would cause cancer, since I'd read an article on that, and they all said no, that that was an earlier version of the gel process, and they gave me advice to live life and try new things. Because otherwise, why would we be here? I hung out today at my local nail salon, even after my nails had been finished. I tried gel for the first time and picked out a cosmic stardust green. It's beautiful and should last twice as long as regular nail polish. Around three weeks. Although, I was wary about the UV light causing cancer since I'd read an article recently on someone getting a rare form of cancer on their fingertips. She assured me that it was safe, that it must have been an earlier version of the machine, and even young children were getting their nails done this way. As if that would assuage my fears. The light box stung a bit and caused me to cry out. Are you sure it's safe? I asked. Yes, yes, yes. I explained that I'd been raised around radiologists, oncologists, health freaks, doomers, preppers, who saw danger in everything, death and disease everywhere, and that eating anything and doing anything was probably a cause for cancer in some way or fashion. She said that I couldn't go through life this way, afraid of every little thing. That I had to experience things and use my judgment because otherwise, what would be the point of living? Why is words, in the vein of carpe diem, pretty much the complete opposite of the messages from my family? That this or that is dangerous, this or that causes cancer, etc. An endless barrage of doom and gloom. So, I have been trying online dating... For many years now, I think since 2017, when I was just breaking up with my long-term ex, with whom I'd been joined at the hip for seven years straight.
Um, while I love him and everything, and love his parents and family, I think the amount of time that we spent together and how codependent we had become was ultimately a really unhealthy thing. So I had to get out of it somehow. And I think it was over at least like three years before the official breakup. I mean, yeah, it it's not easy to change your life completely and to accept that something that, or someone or rather a way of living was going to be over after almost a decade. And I transitioned from that ending into a different relationship. So looking back now, I think that was the rebound with this guy who was also codependent, but in a different way, in a more neurotic, anxious way. We somehow texted all day long, even though he would be at work. It really made me wonder what kind of jobs normal working people do if all they do is text their girlfriends or spouses if they're able to take their attention off of work so easily. Um, so that re ended pretty badly because for whatever reason, I keep finding white American guys who think um, making casual Asian slurs is like a funny thing. And it hurts deepest when it's someone you love who you feel safe with because then you feel like you're always walking on broken eggshells and you're not quite sure why or how they've managed to come into your life and usurp your autonomy um, while being casually racist towards you um, my last ex was similar to this. He was also a white American guy. Um, quite handsome, well-built, tall, but he had a host of emotional problems stemming from the fact that his parents had been divorced and his mother was an alcoholic and so on and so forth. I mean, just so many issues. I don't know how I got into that. I think it was just sexual obsession. But even that runs out pretty quickly. And the last straw was him making an Asians can't drive joke after I told him to stop, you know, making fun of Asians in any way, shape, or form. I don't know what it is about Americans that... white and black Americans, and even Latinos and different 
well, yeah, just any ethnicity feels like it's okay to casually be racist against Asians. It really feels like Asians are the collective punching bag for Americans um, and Western Europeans. And there are even less of us in Western Europe, so it feels... It feels... It's stressful being there alone as a single female, like, traveling or whatever. Um... Yeah, people are always puzzled and, like, overly nosy as to what you're doing there, like, whether you've been trafficked or you're a madam or something like that, or, like, whether you work in a nail salon. No hatred towards nail salon ladies. They work really hard, and I admire them. Like, I'm sure they have to deal with so much racist bullshit from customers all day long. I don't think I would have the wherewithal to be able to take that, like, all day long, every day. I mean, just the amount of skill needed to paint someone's nails and cut away dead skin, that is, like beyond me and then having to casually interact with strangers um who might like make fun of your race or ethnicity or gender i mean it must be so depressing <laughs> i can only hope that nail ladies english profic proficiency levels aren't high enough to be able to understand microaggressions so I guess I have never well not never but I guess I've lost my faith in humanity I guess <laughs> at this point um because most guys I date like are probably Asian fetishists because they're really introverted and geeky and, like, probably never work out. Um, or there's, like, wasp-presenting white guys who aren't actually wasp but have some boring corporate job and they probably feel like imposters, so they need to just get like, a strong, educated Asian lady to hide behind. That's what it feels like, honestly. <sighs> I mean, I'm not afraid of dying alone either. Every living creature on Earth dies alone, as that old lady in Donnie Darko said. Um... I guess prior to this year, I was vehemently 
opposed to having children because of how depressing the environmental landscape is. But now I think if I were to find the right physical type, cultural type, someone who's not an asshole, someone who's like well-traveled and speaks at least one other language and who has respect for Asian culture and Asian Americans. I mean, why not? I would lock that down. Dating as an older person is really wild because it's kind of like auditioning for um, a role that you don't know what the skills and qualifications are. Even if you did, you probably wouldn't qualify for them. Um, what you're both subconsciously doing is sizing each other up for health, first of all, fertility, beauty, um, class, education, all these things that people screen immediately but never talk about out of politeness. So your first interview or date, so to speak, is going to be a wash anyway because you're supposedly putting your best game face forward. But let's say you misrepresented your height. Like, what's your game plan after meeting the person? Like, if, you're, if your profile says you're 6'2", you're actually 5'8", how long did you think it would take for them to find out? So last night I went to a stunning dance performance by the seminal Pina Bausch Wuppertal Dance Theater, um, who performed one of her pieces called Agua, which had around 20 to 30 short vignettes by all members of the ensemble. Um, and they were linked loosely together as if in a dream. No, no real transitions, no explanations. A few recurring themes, but not that many. And then they all danced against this backdrop of tropical projections that were probably from Brazil. And one of her distinctive um, costuming features is using non-standard outfits, or rather mundane everyday outfits for dancers that you normally don't see on stage. So the business suit for men or glamorous cocktail dresses for women, which I think I prefer 
to what you normally see on stage, which is really either Baroque or traditional ballet leotard. Uh, I brought my friend Matthew, who I know through someone that I met at Juilliard. And Mark Ruffalo was sitting next to us. Well, not next to us, but close to us. And it was strange how I identified him pretty much immediately, just by the curls in his hair. It's kind of strange, because I still associate him mainly with um, his nerdy character in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. But I guess he's gone on to do larger projects since then, like Avengers, even. Um, what else? I guess not much is going on in my life. I went to the nail salon yesterday to get my pedicure. And then today I went to do a manicure. And I chose Cat Eye Gel Magnetic Rainbow Colors. So each one of my fingernails is a different color now. And they're luminous. They look like orbs. Shining, glittery orbs from outer space. It's almost... It's almost like they're the most real part of me and the flesh around them isn't real. <laughs>